This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening in today on Green Living Ideas, Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly, and our topic today is green offices. My guest on the program is Alex Zabo, who is the founder of The Green Office. Alex, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So tell us about going green in the office. What do we need to know? <laughs> so much, right? Yeah, sure. Well, well uh, the, I'm, I'm here representing my company, which is called thegreenoffice.com. Um company was founded a couple of years ago, and the idea is to make office greening easy and cost-effective at the same time. What are the biggest areas of non-sustainability in a typical corporate office and, and, uh, or, or small, you know, small office, home office? And so you know, what, what is your focus in terms of helping people go greener in the office? Sure. Uh, you know, what, what we advocate are kind of three steps for office greening. Um, the first step is to essentially assess where you stand. Um, so we help people understand what their ecological footprint is, what their carbon footprint is, and then we help them through our sustainability consulting service to uh, create a strategic plan to help uh, mitigate those impacts and, uh, and over time neutralize them. So the first step is really resource conservation, and, and we assist that through sustainability consulting. Um, the second step we advocate is, is green procurement that obviously uh, stems from the, the need to conserve resources and use resources um, in a smart way. So we help people through our online purchasing uh, website. We help people find and uh, source green office products. And then finally, we advocate uh, carbon neutralization. So basically understanding, again, what that carbon footprint is and neutralizing that through investment in uh, emission reduction credits or carbon offsets. Okay, so interesting. So this is really comprehensive. It's not just about the products, but you're, you're offering actually consulting. T- tell us about a typical consulting session, how, how that would actually happen logistically. Do you come out to the business? Is it done over the phone? How does that work? Uh, there are a variety of ways in which it kind of goes down. Um, you know, usually for, for a lot of especially small businesses, um, the, the office screening process starts with kind of a conceptualization of, of what your impact is. And once you kind of understand a few very simple concepts, um, reducing your footprint really doesn't take a whole lot of expertise. You know, it's not rocket science. You're basically trying to conserve resources and account for the impacts you have on people and planet. And once you understand that, many of the steps you need to take become apparent immediately. Uh, for some of our, for some of the larger organizations out there, some of the manufacturers where there are logistical uh, kind of hurdles to get through or technical hurdles, uh, we offer kind of specialized consulting where pe- folks will work over a long period of time or on site. Um, you know, but the idea really is to understand your impact and to take some of the simple steps to, to reduce that impact. It has to do with 
reducing your energy use through energy-saving measures, the purchase of energy-efficient appliances, uh, traveling less, trying to work locally, telecommuting, those types of things. And then really buying green, whether it's a product or service. Ask uh, you know, where, where the materials come from, what you're going to do with it when you get it, and where it's going at the end of it. And if you account for that full life cycle when you're purchasing, you're usually going to do okay. Mm-hmm. How, how are you seeing things coming along with regards to you know, laser printer materials and supp- or supplies with regards to, you know, sort of like the kinds of paper, the specialized paper that mm-hmm. this is the frustration is that, you know, for a lot of the printing projects that, that we've done, there just isn't recycled materials for some of the, you know, the technologies out there, um, the, you know, the, the higher gloss papers and things like that. Is that, is that starting to change at all? Um, you know, here and there, there's, there's been, I mean, there's, there's always been, or since, since, <laughs> since the invention of the computer, there's been talk of the paperless office, and I, I don't see that kind of promise coming through. People are still very attached to this ancient technology of putting ink on paper. Um, I think we, we see alternative, like, you see, like, alternative fibers, like canaf and things like that, um, None of those have really taken off. Um, you're seeing some of, I mean, there's a lot of kind of consolidation and movement in the paper manufacturing industry. Um, I, I still think the best thing to do is to is to print less and try to manage documents um, and databases and whatnot. Yeah, using document management systems and yeah. yeah, things like that. Well, hopefully those kind of technologies will continue to reach the masses because it seems like, um, you know, there, there are some one touch sort of PDF scanning products that are out there and we right. actually got one and, you know, it's all about usability. <laughs> it, has right, to be right. easy. it has to be easy and it has to be in a price range that businesses and individuals <laughs> can afford, you know, in order to, to implement it, but it is doable, but it's, it's hard to let go of, you know, it's, that's an old paradigm. People like to have that printout. It's mm-hmm, amazing. They're mm-hmm. addicted to it. Yeah. Now you mentioned two things that I wanted to ask about a little bit more since mm-hmm. you brought them up, which is carbon calculators and, and offsets. And uh, you know, I don't know what your experience personally has been, um, or what kind of calculations you guys or what kind of tools you're using. But mm-hmm. I, I found a lot of the cal- carbon calculators out there are seem to be wildly inaccurate and uh, <laughs> <laughs> delivering very, very uh, disparate uh, results in terms of your your car- one's carbon footprint. Right. And I'm curious about that. And um, this, the second thing was about, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the carbon offset market. But let's let's talk about the carbon calculator first. What, what are you guys doing for that? What, sure. what are your thoughts? Sure. Um, well, carbon calculation, accurate carbon calculation, is is the first step to understanding your footprint, and then and then moving on to neutralizing it. Um, the the genesis of our uh, carbon neutralization service uh, actually started in a kind of a roundabout way when I was uh, in school at the Green MBA program up in Santa Rosa, where you're located. Oh, yes. um, we, uh, one of the very first classes I took, they introduced me to, um, it was called myfootprint.org, and we took our, we, we measured our ecological footprint. Um, you know, I answered a bunch of questions about how much, what I eat and how I travel and uh, electricity use and so forth. And I learned that I have an impact on Earth and that, you know, it's probably best to reduce that because if everyone acted like me, I'd be taking up seven, eight planets or whatever that was. So mm-hmm. that was <laughs> the roundabout way that uh, a year or two later, I thought it would be interesting to try to develop an office footprint calculator. So something that measured not just an individual's impact, but the impact of a workplace. So I approached the folks who developed the, the individual footprint calculator um, bunch of folks at Redefining Progress um, who had essentially um, pioneered the development of 
measuring your footprint. And I said, hey, I'd like to do this for the office. I'd like to adapt uh, what, what you have and, and make it a little bit more holistic. And we, we worked together for a year or so and developed uh, the, the office footprint calculator. Um, and so that's basically how, how we measure an office's impact. In terms of accuracy, you're right. It's, it's not always a science. It's an art and a science. And the idea is to get it within a few percentage points. And from there, make sure you go above and beyond what you know your impact is within a few percentage points. So what we do is we rely on data gathered by the UN, by uh, various departments within the U.S., and, um, and, and basically look at the, what are the highest impact points within your office. It starts with transportation. It looks at your facility, energy, and waste, and then it looks at the products and services that you buy. And based on that, we can get a, a, a pretty good assessment of the the full impact that you have on on the ecosystem in which we live. Now, is this calculator located and available to people on your site? Oh, yeah, it's 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 um, at thegreenoffice.com. There's a link uh, up there for the for carbon offsetting. Once you go there, you find the calculator. It's uh, free to use. It, it, you can use averages. You can input very specific data, so it's flexible. Um, but you could get a quick assessment of your office in a few minutes. Great. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize it was there. I didn't click on the carbon offsetting link. So thanks for pointing that out. No problem. Um, so that which brings us to carbon offsetting. Now this this is a I'd say this is a topic of um, somewhat I, recently has been called into question by by a lot of, of people and mm-hmm. uh, you know as, as to whether or not it's really something that's that's effective and is accomplishing. Uh, what it seeks to accomplish. So I think it's become somewhat controversial right. uh, in, in that some people are saying that, you know, it's in some case, you know, in a worst case scenario, carbon offsets are effectively the modern equivalent of uh, medieval indulgences where, you know, people are, you know, paying for sin to the church, uh, essentially. But but that, you know, you have to be careful about essentially who you're buying your offsets from. And, and then there's this market. I mean, what I think people don't realize is that there's a, there's a market out there like like the Chicago Board of Options and, you know, the, the New York Stock Exchange and so forth for, for trading basically carbon offsets in the open market. And so right. it's this whole financial beast that's, that's grown up too, and as anybody, any, any sane person knows, when that comes into play, maybe some of the original uh, intentions kind of uh, get uh, play second fiddle. <laughs> so, what, what's your take on the, the viability of carbon offsets, and are they really making a difference? Right. Uh, well, I think the first thing, I mean, to, simple answer to your question is that, that carbon offsets uh, implemented with some care are extremely effective. They're, they're having real-world impacts. They're reducing carbon emissions um, in ways that, that wouldn't happen unless credits carbon offsets existed. So that, that's the simple answer. But, um, you know, to get a little bit more sophisticated, I like to kind of start at the beginning. Maybe it's a, a bad habit. But um, you have to put a price on carbon emissions if you want the world to reduce overall emissions, which is what has to happen if we're going to preserve our uh, planet as we know it. Um, w- without there being a price on carbon emissions, people are going to emit, emit, emit. And um, because of the way that society functions and the, the, this notion of the collective good and people not kind of uh, jumping in and doing their fair share unless they're prodded to do so, um, emissions are going to keep going up. So how the question is, how do we put a price on carbon? And they're, they're basically... If you look out there, there, there are two proposals. One is to uh, tax emissions. 
so how do you implement a tax? Well, the UN at this point and, and any delegation of countries at this point isn't quite strong enough to implement a tax. There's questions of fairness unless everyone's being taxed. Um, it has to be done at the national level, but you don't feel a whole lot of that happening yet. So one is a tax. The other one is to implement some kind of a, what's called a cap-and-trade system. And the cap-and-trade system basically says, okay, here's the limit. Um, you say you tell industry, for instance, or country, a country, here's what your limit is. If you go above that, you have to pay. If you go below that, you can sell. Um, you can sell that value created by reducing emissions. Interesting. Uh, and that's what we saw with uh, the, the Kyoto Protocol. That's basically a cap-and-trade system that says that you know individual countries have to be uh, below a certain limit, and if they're not, they have to pay credits to get below that limit. If, if they are under it, they can sell those credits. And being the worst abuser in the world uh, as a nation, uh, we, we decided not to join in on that one, unfortunately. Yep, that, it is unfortunate. Um, and yeah, that's a that's a big nut to crack. But <laughs> uh, you don't have to you don't have to take the flame bait there. <laughs> I'm just expressing my own opinion about it. Right. Anyways, I'll try to answer your question a little more quickly. So so under under a cap and trade system, you you get these things called credits. That when when you reduce emissions, when you have a when you go out there and you say, okay, here's an emission being created. I'm going to eliminate that through a new technology or simply by not doing it anymore. Uh, you create a, an emission reduction credit. Um, and basically, by selling those credits, people can claim, by, by buying those credits, if they're over the limit, people can claim that they're carbon neutral. Um, as long as those, there are, those credits are third-party certified, if you buy a credit and you retire it, meaning you take it off the market, you can claim that you've neutralized that amount of carbon emissions. I see. So your, your assertion is that it won't, this needs to become that scientific in order to be really manageable. And, and, uh, and, I, and I think that's a, I, Is that accurate? I mean, that this has to be sort of calculated to that level and treated like this in order for us to achieve our uh, collective aims of creating a sustainable planet and fixing yeah, the bills? Yeah, I, I do think, I think there has to be a, a good amount of oversight. I think that, that science has to play into it. Obviously, uh, you know, using science to measure the carbon emissions in our atmosphere and understanding, you know, historically what that amount has has what impact that's had on our planet is going to be important ongoing. And then, you know, enforcing uh, reductions in that amount has to happen through a measurement again. So certainly it plays a role. Well, so I guess the part of it that I, I, which that all makes sense to me completely, but I think the part of it that it's always kind of given me a little bit of an ill feeling in my stomach is, is this, this, this buying, just, you know, sort of buying, well, we can't do anything about it, so we'll buy. And I think whenever you give people that choice, I mean, yeah. That's the problem I have with it, and I and I think that that it just creates this out, this option, and this potential for manipulation in the market, a potential for corruption. Whenever you involve anything in, in terms of money, or you give people an option other than taking direct personal action, mm-hmm. and I mean personal in the sense of individuals or companies or corporations. Definitely. Uh, to, to, if you if you say, well, gee, your other option is you can just pay for this. Right. I think that that's that's where the train really goes off the proverbial tracks. Exactly. You know that that potential is there, and I and you know I I couldn't point any fingers, but but certainly um, we've seen that potential being exploited, where you have a company who instead of making on the ground real reductions, that they you know kind of in your own backyard reductions, they go out and they buy a bunch of junk credits, uh, credits that don't really represent what they say they're representing, exactly. and they say they're carbon neutral, and it, it is a shame. But that being said, 
we shouldn't let a few spoilers like that, um, you know, prevent us from doing what we can do to reduce emissions. But I, I like what you're getting at, which is that, you know, something I should have said earlier. As far as what we do, we advocate kind of these three steps. And the first, like I said, is on-site real reductions in your resource use. Um, if you're not doing what you can on-site, you're not real about reducing emissions. So you have to do that first. The, the second step is to buy green, whether it's a product or a service, whether it's an input to the product that you're manufacturing or a piece of paper that you're using in the office. You've got to buy green. Only once you've done those first two steps can you then make a legitimate claim to carbon neutrality through the purchase of third-party certified carbon offsets. Right. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. I think that that makes a lot of sense. I noticed also on that same topic that that you guys have this uh, green screen sort of key that you use on the site to help people identify right. the, the various sort of um, you know the aspects of sustainability of a given product. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, my background I was as a consultant. I was doing work for um, I worked for a for-profit, a non-profit. Um, one of the first things I would say is, hey, let's implement a, a green purchasing policy. And, you know, let's start with office products, things that you're buying, you know, weekly. Um, I would tell them to do that, and they would say, but how? And I started doing a little bit of digging and found that there, there was not a very easy way to identify green products and, and source them for your office. So what we did was go out to create that service, essentially. Um, we took a catalog of 40,000 office products, and we basically looked around and, and said, what are the sustainability criteria out there to judge which of these products are the greenest? Uh, we ended up rounding, uh, um, rounding out the green screen with about 30 different criteria. It's always growing. And we use those criteria to label and then rank the products by greenness. So anytime you go into a product category uh, online at thegreenoffice.com, the first product you see in a list of products is going to be the greenness, and we're also going to tell you why. So it's either recycled or biodegradable or non-toxic or energy efficient. Uh, it might be third-party certified, USDA organic, for instance, Energy Star qualified. Uh, but we'll tell you why it's green, and we'll list the greenest one at the top, and then we'll let you make the decision. Uh, That's great. Well, that's the kind of information that you know people are really <laughs> the world is really lacking right now. So I appreciate that because you know it's like I mean I, I even hate to use the word green sometimes just because it's it's you know it's like when you say a word enough it loses all meaning, and and so unfortunately though it also is required for people to kind of get what you're talking about and give them context. So right. it's a, it's a sort of a double-edged sword. But um, it, what's really important is to have the specifics behind it, and in this case with regards to off supplies and technologies and products, you know, exactly why or why not, you know, in what ways is this considered a green product and what does that mean? Right. Um, so I encourage everyone who's listening in today to take a look at thegreenoffice.com, to take a look at that and uh, evaluate your products based on those uh, various criteria. And I, I don't, I haven't seen too, I don't think I've seen another site that actually goes to that level of detail. Uh, so that's, that's again, commendable. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's a labor of love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it must be quite an endeavor with forty thousand office products to actually make those kind of create that kind of a matrix of information. I, sounds kind of overwhelming. Yeah, it's it's been interesting, but it has been a long term process. Um, but it's fascinating. There there's so many great uh, nonprofits out there who are going out and doing the hard work of on site auditing. Uh, Green Seal is one of them. So that's that's a big help, and then um, you know basically we, we, the green screen is split into two categories. So there's these third, third party certifications. Um, those guys are invaluable. They help us identify what products in the 
you know, thousands of product categories out there are the greenest. And then there's just kind of, you know, basic common sense. Is it, or does the product contain recycled material? Is it closing that loop? Can the product be introduced back into nature without it poisoning an ecosystem? So that's the question of, is it biodegradable? Is it non-toxic? Things like that. But um, yeah, hopefully we're, we're educating consumers and, and really the idea is once you understand the basic principles, you don't want to take more than the earth can give and you don't want to put back into our landfills, for instance, or our oceans or our forests, uh, anything that can't be absorbed. Once you understand that, the, the notion of buying green actually becomes relatively intuitive and you, you kind of can look at a product, you can ask where the stuff comes from and where it's going to go and, uh, and, and make a better decision. Well, true words have never been spoken. Uh, well said, and we'll leave it at that. On that note, we'll uh, sign off for today. Alex Zabo, who is the founder of the Green Office, has been my guest today, and you can find out more about their products and uh, technologies and their carbon calculator and other services on www.thegreenoffice.com. Alex, thanks again for being on the program with us today. Great to be here. Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.